0: Well, good evening. This is John Van Bladel from the Building Peace Initiative at com. I missed last week. It was Thanksgiving and I got too busy. Uh, between that and the upcoming end of the semester, sometimes there's not enough time to put the energy in that you need to do to put these little podcasts together. So our podcast today is going to continue on empathy. It's removing blocks to empathy with a focus on selective empathy. Now, once again, I'll be inviting the bell of mindfulness on occasion uh, to slow me down and let what I've said be considered. Uh, When you hear it, just take three normal breaths in and out, and then we will continue. I'll try and invite the bell a bit more gently as it has been a little louder than I would like it to be uh, in some of the podcasts. So I have a very sensitive microphone. So let's give it a try. I'll invite the bell and we'll breathe in and out together three times. So I hope you've tried some of the meditation exercises. Um, It's really important to calm those minds and bodies down. I've been very aware lately of how just pressed people are. Perhaps it was the holiday season coming up, uh, but you can feel the tension in people. I almost feel it in their bodies and in their minds. They jump from place to place, always running, but never spending much time where they are. So let's try and be as present as possible as we can be for each other. So can we have empathy for all people? The answer is yes. Uh, but I don't have the same level for everyone, personally. I think there's moral exemplars out there, like Martin Luther King Jr., Thich Nhat Hanh, but I'm not one of them. I have selective empathy. Uh, I do get caught in caring more deeply about the people closest to me, uh, but sometimes not so much for others. Uh, Now, remember, we're all works in progress. I have seen others uh, who I encounter sporadically in my daily life who are more generous with their empathy than I am, uh they apply it more equitably and you know i have the empathy but we'll talk about what shuts it off and i think that's an important part here the other day um had someone that i find particularly irritating and rather than going uh to thinking well they're they're acting this way because of are suffering i labeled them in my head that puts distance between us and sometimes that may be appropriate um One group in particular uh, can be a challenge for me and I'm sure for some of you and I'll get to them in another podcast. And I'll give you a hint. Uh, They're master gaslighters. And by the way, I just put labels on them. That is a block to communication and an example of selective empathy. Now, here's an interesting point. When I do clinical work or psychotherapy, um, I am a licensed mental health professional. I don't just play one on podcasts, but I'm not here to give mental health advice those days hopefully are behind me. And I never really gave uh, advice anyway. So in those situations, I was rarely judgmental. I had a lot of empathy, um, understanding, Um, listen with the express intent of understanding. That's what I've done. And I dealt with some pretty people who've done some pretty horrible things, but you still understood their suffering. And but during my daily life on the street or in my job or in my job at a local food co-op, um I struggle sometimes uh It's like the listening to understand switch gets turned off, and I judge people more frequently and Some of the labels I'll use are knuckleheads, narcissists, and our favorite uh, a holes um so that's not helpful when we're trying to help people transform their suffering or connect with them and remember we're talking about most of the population who operate within the range of what some might turn term term normal um, not some of the special cases so the question is how do I keep the empathy switch turned on well working in a mental health setting created a culture that supported empathy it's crucial to having people change um, and most there had a professional license and a code of ethics to abide by so we need to find and embrace a code of ethics of sorts now my professional license proved me with one, or provided me with one as did my peers and the mission to the of the clinic to reduce suffering now support i'll say it again is absolutely crucial if we're going to develop and maintain empathy particularly if we're trying to develop or practice a new skill now if i stay at blue cliff monastery i find it much easier to have empathy and compassion The sisters and brothers are practicing the 14 mindfulness trainings. Uh, It's a set of ethics. And here's one of them. The eighth mindfulness training, true community and communication. Aware that a lack of communication always brings separation and suffering, we're committed to training ourselves in the practice of compassionate listening and loving speech. Knowing that true harmony is rooted in inclusiveness and in the concrete practice of the harmony of views, thinking and speech, we will practice to share our understanding and experiences with members in our community in order to arrive at collective insight. Now that's a really long um, statement, but it's only halfway done. So let's just take a moment to let that sink in. Here's the second half of it. We're determined to learn to listen deeply without judging or reacting and refrain from uttering words that can create discord or cause the community to break. Whenever difficulties arise, we will remain in our sangha, which is a practice group or community, and practice looking deeply into ourselves and others to recognize all the causes and conditions, including our own habit energies, (coughs) excuse me, that have brought about the difficulties. We will take responsibility for all the ways we may have contributed to the conflict and keep communication open. We will not. Okay, let's leave it at that. Uh, we will. No, here's another one. We will be active in finding ways to reconcile and resolve all conflicts, however small. So, when I'm at Blue Cliff, there's a lot of smiling. People are fully present. The example they set is inspiring. But when I get back, when I leave and get back on the throughway to come back to my living space, I again encounter knuckleheads as they drive erratically and create tension and fear. And their aggressiveness is palpable, and it carries me away with them sometimes. Um, you are going along pretty well, maybe to speed limit, and to speed limit 65, but really seems to be 90. And right away, it's uh, NASCAR out there. So again, it's situational, depending on the environment that you're in, depending on the type of cognitions that come up in your mind, and the mindfulness gives you a chance to become aware of your physical and your mental experience of people, stop, breathe, and perhaps reconsider. Now, the good news for me, and that means others who I encounter also, is I've made a good deal of progress over the years. You know, even people who I really dislike, I no longer wish them harm. I never wish them death or anything terrible. Sometimes I wish them minor irritations like having a bird crap on them when they get out of their car on the way to work. Um, Instead, I engage empathy and compassion. If they were to encounter suffering, it would not create satisfaction in me. And that's an interesting change because some of you may be attached to people in a way that you look forward to their suffering. That's not helpful to you, actually. Um, There was a situation about six years ago when I received a call from a friend. Uh, We were in the process of ending the friendship, and she called and let me know she had dropped a gun on her foot and fractured her foot. Now, a part of me wanted to say, shot yourself in the foot, did did you? But I let it go. That gratification that would have been there um, for saying something insensitive... I stopped. Um, I recognized some old thinking. I realized that I had been hurt, so I was just buying reasons to say hurtful things back. And instead, I just realized that the breakup was hard on the both of us. So, what I did is I just remained silent and listened. So, a more mild version uh, would have been a more mild version of judgment would be saying to myself, That's karma which is just another way of dis- disabling empathy in me. She deserved it. Okay, Why not just invoke the Hindu caste system or John Calvin's predestination? It's a great way to rationalize denying people empathy and compassion along with a path out of suffering uh, for the both of you. So hope, hopefully you're getting a little bit of a handle on the fact that we can engage empathy and becoming more aware of the blocks to it which uh, initiate selective empathy, um, where we just stop having it for people or limit it. Now, I understand that often we behave badly because we are suffering and don't know how to express ourselves constructively in a way that gets our needs met. So when people behave in a harmful way, what I try and do is I try to be present, get past whatever uh, they might have said, try not to take something personal and instead have empathy. By doing that, I can create a connection with them and help them transform their suffering. However, I will also help people who are behaving in a harmful manner be held accountable for their actions that cause me or other people to suffer. Uh, This is important as people sometimes see empathy and compassion as weakness and, can I pronounce this word, naivete, or being naive. But we can, and I would argue it is incumbent on us who are actually listening to this podcast and are considering using empathy effectively to hold people accountable through an informed, assertive, compassionate approach. Uh, It will likely be a different experience for them and maybe for you. And as I've said earlier, I don't feel the type of satisfaction I did in the past for winning or coming out on top, Um, the the type of you got yours mentality. It's a satisfaction of realizing that I'm helping myself and hopefully them reduce their suffering. So being gratified by others' misfortune does not feel helpful to me, nor does it transform suffering in a meaningful way. In fact, if you cause suffering another person, they're just likely to pass the suffering on to others, and the cycle continues. I'd rather go the route of invoking the meta-meditation in my head and contribute to people having happier lives. Now, from a cognitive perspective, labeling, judgments, and diagnosis are at the top of the list when it comes to disabling empathy. When someone tailgates us, or cuts us off, We have a variety of terms we may use, you know, mine when you're afraid is a-hole. We don't stop to think that maybe they have a bad case of diarrhea and they're desperately trying to get to the bathroom. Or perhaps they may have just gotten a call that their six-year-old is in the ER with a head injury sustained during gym class. Or maybe their mind just drifted, as ours have done from time to time. We've all had that experience driving. Okay, where we, our mind has just drifted away or we had to get somewhere in an emergency. When we're afraid, tired, stressed, we don't have a lot of patience. We don't consider what really might be going on with another person. We judge, judge them by a little snippet <clears throat> of their behavior. Another example, when we walk by a homeless person, we're more likely to judge them as being an addict or in some way deserving of their troubles. And homelessness rather than experience what their plight might feel like on an emotional or an intellectual level you know we normally don't say to ourselves gee that could be me or i wonder what social conditions have helped to create this situation or think we needed to support our homeless instead after coming up with a narrative that makes us feel better we change the channel and we ignore it or worse we denigrate the person meaning the homeless person We see them as undeserving of empathy, and that is one of the things that comes up with empathy deficit. Now, this is counter to what Marshall Rosenberg would call our natural state of giving. Um, A quote by Thomas Merton is a nice one to consider. He said, Our job is to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. That is not our business, and in fact, it is nobody's business. What we are asked to do is to love. And this love itself will render both ourselves and our neighbors worthy. Another thing to consider is connecting with people with empathy. It just might hurt too much to stay tuned to them. And it hurts so much, not only do we turn away, but sometimes we become angry and blame them for making us feel the way we do. Another way of disabling our empathy. Uh, Out of sight, out of mind. Um, Judgments say more about us uh, than the labels we attach to others. And as Rosenberg would say, all judgments are a tragic expression of unmet needs. Now, for those of you who suffer from anxiety, uh, you may have had the experience where you've been anxious or having a panic attack, and someone said to you, well, could you just stop being anxious? And I thought, well, gee, that's great. Thank you for telling me that. I've never tried it. Um, Begone anxiety (laughs) or begone depression or whatever um, you're encountering. It just is not that simple. But sometimes when the other person's distressed, we so want to um, help them. Or we actually want to help ourselves because we don't want to be in that same situation with them. I think of funerals very often, which are really hard to deal with because people haven't learned to, um, to grieve. And uh, I'll, I'll use an example. Um, at One of my colleagues, uh, we were talking about job losses in the area, particularly uh, in the educational systems, the community colleges. And um the plight of people who were gonna lose their jobs and one of their responses was, Well it sucks for them. And you could think, well that person's feeling quite safe in their job because they were up the ladder. Or was he? Uh the thought of job loss, you know, my day job is teaching, um where where I work is terrifying because there's not many have it as good as far as salary and benefits and autonomy. And some have had it good for 30 plus years. To have to actually go out there um, and find another job that's comparable would be hard. And it's unlikely you're going to find one. So we don't want to entertain the possibility that something similar could happen to us. And um, by the way, for you armchair psychologists out there, my little Freud finger puppet on now, um, that could be considered denial or projection. Um, We're all armchair psychologists trying to figure out ourselves and others. Um, but by listening to others it really does help us to figure out both ourselves and other people Uh, because if you can build a relationship that's based on empathy uh, and that is trusting you will end up learning some things about yourself which can be exciting and frightening at the same time so that's it for today Uh, we'll continue to have fun with empathy next time Uh, probably start moving into compassion. And in the meantime, I do suggest you uh, try and practice some meditation and mindfulness, experiment with feeling empathy, offering empathy, and receiving empathy. And uh, feel free to drop a note at the website. Let me know how it worked out. So until next time, let's give ourselves and others some empathy and peace of mind.